This is CliffCentral.com. All right. Um, Martin Hood is the host of a, a brilliant new series, which I hope you've been listening to. I've been, uh, I've been paying attention to every single episode. Whether you're interested in sports shooting, target shooting, self-defense, whether you are the kind of person who just wants to be a good legal firearm owner and have a gun when you need one rather than not have one when you do, uh, then you've probably been paying attention. Martin Hood is the host. He joins us this morning. There's been a landmark case this week. Martin, first of all, welcome, and congratulations on GunCast. It seems to be doing really well. People are loving it, passing it around. It seems to be getting um, the, the three million-odd firearm owners in South Africa uh, really excited and interested in what their position is with respect to the law because it's been very gray for a very long time. Morning. Thanks very much, and thanks for having me. Um, I think uh, there was a need for information. Yeah, uh, that should be government's job in terms of uh, policy and explaining to the public, the firearm owning public, what's necessary, and they're, sim- they're simply not doing that. Yeah. So we, Cliff Centre and I, have stepped into that space and we've put that information together and we've put it out there for consumption, and it does seem to be generally well accepted. Um, there's been some comments which have been very positive, mm-hmm. um, some some good criticisms as well. Maybe I've been told I shouldn't talk so much. But, <laughs> but we do still have a debate coming up where we can get into that age-old question of whether or not private firearm ownership is a good thing or not. Some people believe it isn't. Well, I'd just like to put it out there about that debate that we've been really trying to get the police to come along. Thank you for mentioning that. And um, they just don't seem to want to put their viewpoints out into the public domain. They don't want them tested. Do you think that's because the police don't necessarily have a viewpoint or because they're not sure what their argument is going to be? I think it's because the police don't have answers. They don't have answers to the problems that we suffer as firearm owners. Mm-hmm. They don't have answers to the problems that exist in the Central Firearms Registry. And they know that they're going to be embarrassed if they stand up and have what they say publicly tested publicly. Right. So I'm curious. The last time... You and I had a conversation about this. The, the commissioner of police had admitted publicly in an, it, it was, it was filmed on, on, by television cameras. It was on the internet. He admitted basically the police cannot help you in a situation where someone comes and, and, and they. End of October last year. They break into your house. He told parliament that, um, he went to parliament and yeah. gave the portfolio committee a briefing and the national commissioner, Kweli Sotoli said, we can't fulfill our mandate which is to protect uh, society from crime. Right. Uh, what's interesting, and again, this is something I'd like to ask the police publicly. Consequent upon that, we've had a series of proposals for the security industry where the police are driving a, a process of limiting the security industry's access right. to firearms as well. So we have this very anomalous situation of... Um, where they can't protect us, but they also don't want anyone else to protect us. Well, there's no alternative. Yeah. They, they come along with these proposals, and they don't have an alternative to fill the, the vacuum that will be created by so removing those types of firearms. They're basically saying the law of the jungle applies. That's it. Thank you. Sorry, we're out. Well, I'd love to ask them. Yeah. Um, I'd love to How'd test... you like to see this working? Well, How would you like to see a sophisticated society develop in a situation where no one's secure? Well, I think I think we need to go back to some basics, and this comes out of this judgment that we got last week. The judge made a number of comments in his judgment and also in court, and it all revolves around fairness. It all revolves around transparency, Right. and we need to make government, but particularly the police in this context, to understand that they can't do just what they want without any sort of 
explanation, without transparency, without um, them actually consulting people that are affected by this. Well, you said in the opening episode of Guncast that you could be in breach of the law and you could go to jail if you're a firearm owner and you you haven't updated your license or you haven't it's mm. expired and you don't know. You could go to jail. No questions asked. It's done. This makes a lot of people who who think that they have law-abiding citizens criminals. Well, I think it's it's much more complicated than that because we have an environment where people are now afraid to do the right thing. Yeah, they're afraid because of the potential for victimization. Right. And what is also happening is that, unfortunately, when you get a citizenry that's afraid of the law enforcement authorities, that means that it feeds into illegality. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is. There are people that are afraid to do the right thing when they don't know what the right thing is about their firearm that they either don't look after it yeah. or they say, you know what, I want to get rid of it. I'm going to maybe do something illegal with it so it's no longer my problem. And that is because there is no solution proposed by the police. And I want to give an example. And I want the police to listen to this because they've created this situation. We have the expired firearm license situation. Incidentally, Zimbabwe, our next-door neighbor I read yesterday, allows the renewal of expired licenses. So simple. Go onto the website of the Zimbabwe Republic Police. Process is set out there. So why why it can't happen in this country, I don't know. Anyway, we have the expired license scenario in this country. So people can't renew their license. The police won't accept these firearms. Right. And I have personal experience of that, a family member. And... um, the result is that people, for example, who immigrate, leave the firearms behind. Well, they give it to somebody. And the the traceability of those firearms has been lost. Mm-hmm. So what the police have done through their own ineptitude is create an environment where the illegal possession of firearms is being enhanced. It's increasing. So as we sit here today, because the police can't get a grip and a control on the the, on legal firearms, more and more becoming illegal. It's like a runaway fire. It's yeah, just it gets it's, bigger and bigger. It's creating a massive social problem. And and the, and fundamentally, what is happening is people want those firearms because they're afraid of crime. Correct. So, and you really are your last line of defense. Yeah. If you're a private homeowner and someone breaks into your house, you can call the police, but they're not going to get there before it's you. Better have to have a gun in your hand than a cop on the phone. It's a cliche, but it explains it completely. So. Let's talk about this case because this is really a, an update. It only happened uh, last week. The judge, Anthony Miller, it was an urgent application by the South African Arms and Ammunition Dealers Association. And how are we feeling about this? The interim interdict is to prevent the respondents from unilaterally refusing to give permission to applicants who wish to effect a change of barrel to a licensed firearm. This sounds very specific. It's very specific, but it's symptomatic of the bigger malaise that the police are suffering from. The, the background is that you could do, you could change a barrel on a firearm, but there was a process. The police issued a directive, said you must do A, B, C, and D. Mm-hmm. Um, it was accepted and it was done over a period of time for many years. And then all of a sudden the police changed their mind and they said, no, you can't do this anymore. The act doesn't permit it. So the dealers association representing, um, firearm dealers went to court and said, look, we were allowed to do this. It's been stopped. We weren't consulted. We are prejudiced because we've got people that import firearms. And I mean the logic of this. The police allow the import of barrels. Mm-hmm. So you can bring it into this country. And, and then, then what they, does it do? Sit on a shelf. And then they say you can't do anything with mm-hmm. it. Um, and then, and, and the, the, the answer of the police was it, it was it was just so ignorant. 
they, they, they themselves demonstrated, and the judge said this, you don't understand your own processes. You don't even understand what a firearm is. Um, no, it, it, it's, if, if one had to look at, the, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, the people that are in charge, the loonies are in charge of the loony bin. Really, that's how bad it is. Um, <laughs> because they came along and said, this is going to lead to a proliferation of firearms if we allow barrel changes. But Judge Miller said, hang on a second, you're swapping one licensed component with another licensed component. There's no extra firearm being added to this. But even the, the police, the, the, one plus one. Yeah. They, they couldn't. They, they couldn't do that. No, they, they came along and said, "Oh, but you some can." Some very stupid people in charge of the police. I'm they afraid. said you can you can sleeve a barrel instead of changing it. Duh! When you put a sleeve in a barrel, it becomes a barrel. Yeah. So you're replacing one barrel with another barrel. It's exactly the same. It. it but the, the 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 problem and the judge caught on to this very quickly. He made a number of comments. The problem number one was the way that they did it. They did it unilaterally mm-hmm. without notification. Without consultation. And that's, that is symptomatic of the way that firearms are managed in this country. And I just want to add as well that this is one of a series of cases that are happening. Um, some are urgent applications. Other are going to take a little bit longer. Simply because we're sick and tired of being treated in a way that constitutes discrimination. Yes. Because we are firearm owners doesn't mean to say that we're any different from anybody else, but the police seem to think that we have no rights. Mm-hmm. They seem to think that they can make decisions without consultation. And the judge uh, commented, he said, who is to say that the police's interpretation of legislation is the correct interpretation? That's my Absolutely. job as judge. But that's what the police are doing. They make these changes, and there's been a multitude of changes. This is just but one example, and it was a very simple and crisp uh, issue, which is why we went to court on an urgent basis. And what's also interesting is we asked for an interim interdict. And what normally happens with an interim interdict is the presiding judge will say, okay, so you get your temporary interdict and we'll deal with the big issue at a point in the future. And the costs will be dealt with in the second part of the court case. Here we got costs awarded to immediately. us immediately, which is an indication, I think, that the judge was not happy with the conduct of the police. That's um, fairly common these days because there are other court cases where we've got cost orders against police officers in their personal capacity. And I just also want to add at this point for the, for the benefit of listeners, this court case was run by a particular colonel within SAPS. Mm-hmm. She went and briefed senior counsel and a junior counsel, and the cost involved to the taxpayer is extensive. It's hundreds of thousands of rands in each court case. And we don't know if this is being done with the requisite permissions. So in other words, a colonel should not have the authority to go to the state attorney and say brief a senior and the junior advocate. And it happens in all of these court cases. Yeah. And it comes at a cost to the taxpayer. And they say that they're acting on the authority of the minister and the national commissioner. We don't know that. And we're going to get some questions asked in parliament about that. So here's a warning to Colonel Sikakani uh, and others, Colonel uh, uh, Brigadier Mabuli in particular, um, where they're costing the taxpayer hundreds of thousands of rands a time. Yeah. And, and losing. And losing. Yeah. And there's no accountability. And I think that really is the crisp issue in this particular court case. Accountability. Why are decisions being made and why are people not being held accountable for those decisions? Well, it's interesting. The judge said in the judgment that any non-functioning organ of state, ipso facto, makes an application urgent, meaning that he believed that the police are at the moment a non-functioning organ of state. That was that was one of his opening comments. That's um, I mean, quite a damning judgment. Well, uh, not great for the police. 
it was interesting because th- that doesn't flow directly from the judgment. It's um, it was what his opening comment, um, mm. where the police said, "But this is not urgent," and his answer was, "Don't address me on urgency because, as far as I'm concerned, when you say that an organ of state is not function, it's ipso facto urgent." And that right. was a very, that was a very refreshing approach because, um, what we're dealing with here is. Uh, the entire functioning of a department of the police and what he basically said is it's not functioning mm. Gareth also want to say that um, as usual with the police there's nothing but fun and games when it comes to their their daily routine uh, I woke up today and I received uh, a copy of a police communication that was sent out yesterday although it was dated the, the 12th of July yeah uh, and it relates to another court case that's being brought by the Dealers Association that's set down for the 5th of August. And please indulge me, I'm going to be a little bit technical for a few moments. Mm-hmm. We have a special allocation. It's a very big court case. The papers are over 800 pages. And it deals with the non-functioning of the Central Firearms Registry in a more comprehensive manner. This is this this barrel case was a small example. Mm-hmm. But the dealers also took the police to court and said, you haven't implemented the act properly. And there's one critical issue and that is what's called electronic connectivity. That's getting dealers and the central firearms registries record system to talk to each other. So right. That, so well, that I mean, we're still using paper in many of these situations. Well, <laughs> I mean, the central firearms register is a, a bit of a joke. Actually. It's a big black hole because yeah. you send paper there and it just disappears somewhere. I'm sure someone's right. selling it out the back door for, for scrap. Anyway, so we're taking the police to court and um, they've known about this for 18 months. I get. A, I wake up this morning. I get sent a copy of this communication that says, um, "Oh, we need to consult with the dealers about electronic connectivity. So please arrange it, not addressed to me, but addressed to various police functionaries." And just to give you an example of how efficient they are, there is a meeting scheduled for Gauteng North for today, the 16th of July. Yeah. To be confirmed with no time or no venue in it. And we got this communication late yesterday <laughs> afternoon. So they want you to drop everything and end up wherever they want well, you. Well, we, we're just going to be driving around Pretoria somewhere yeah. looking for a venue that's conveniently open and maybe there'll be a couple of policemen there. Um, it's a knee-jerk reaction to a more fundamental problem. They don't know how to do simple things like, please would you talk to us firearm owners and dealers? Let us work on a combined approach to deal with this. Yeah. They just simply say... You've got to come and talk to us. Um, it's today, but we don't know where and we don't no, know it's, when. No, it's, it's almost like, uh, you know, like a child. You're putting a child in charge of, of, you, you, of, you, of, its, own, of its own household. You can't run a police department that deals with such a serious subject matter Absolutely. in that way. And, you, and you're making it hard for, for good law-abiding people to abide by the law. Well, our, our response as, as firearm dealers, as the organized industry – is going to be we're not we're not going to jump to this tune. You've got to do it properly. Yeah. We're more than happy to talk to you, but it's got to be in a structured way. Let me just ask you on a, on a more general uh, basis because I know you have to get cracking with your supposed meeting that you might or might not have today. <laughs> but, but we've also got some some other things to get through on the show this morning. I, I am interested in Becky Taylor's comments and some other comments that have been made by high-ranking members of the ANC recently about how they think it would be a really good idea for private gun ownership to come to an end. Well, I think, again, there's a plan and there is the are steps in place. Uh, very briefly, going back to uh, October last year, virtually immediately after 
the National Commissioner said we can't. Uh, I mean, the, 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 the police have just got, uh, they've got three left feet and each one rectangular. <laughs> Virtually immediately <laughs> after, uh, immediately after the national commissioner says we can't fulfil our mandate, a document comes into my inbox from the secretary of police's office mm-hmm. that proposes to remove self-defence as a reason to own a firearm. So again, you've got the police saying we can't protect you, but you can't protect yourself. Yeah, um, and that ties in. Being more serious, that ties in with comments made by, for example, the minister of police who who. It's very stylish in his dress, but unfortunately doesn't engage his brain when he opens his mouth all the time. Yeah. But that, um, and I want to insult the minister because he's laughable and I'd like him to react and I'd like him to come and debate this with me publicly so that we can show the citizens what an idiot he is and how stupid his policies are. Right. But, um, there's a challenge. Uh, well, yeah. uh, he won't do it because unfortunately I think he struggles to string more than four words coherently together in a sentence. But, um, again, seriously, we have these proposals. Um, there is no alternative. We all want to live in a safe society. We've got a long way to go, and you can't, you can't be destructive before you are constructive. We need a constructive approach, and what we don't have from government's point of view right now is a constructive approach to dealing with the problem of crime mm-hmm. and to dealing with the regulation of firearms. Well, listen, you're doing really good work here for all of us, and that's why we've, uh, we're very proud of what Guncast is doing at the moment. If you are a, a legal gun owner or you're interested in the issues around legal gun ownership, pass around the Guncast. You'll find it on cliffcentral.com. We're coming to a, a climactic end with that when we have our debate. I don't think the police are going to join no, us. The, the police have refused. Um, They're frightened. What they've said, and again, I just need to get this out there because maybe someone will make them realize that they actually have to be Accountable. It's it's really important that our law enforcement people have some kind of a say in this. Well, they are, what they, they, their response is: we don't want to come and debate something where there's legal proceedings pending. There's always going to be a legal proceeding. Absolutely, and, and we and we can we can agree on what not to talk we about. Want to know if about your, we want to know your policies, what you in, you intend to do, what would be your ideal situation in terms of gun ownership. And, and and this again, going back to this last week's court case, the judge said that this is a policy decision. Policy decisions end up in court. You can't deal with it on a one-by-one-by-one basis. And if if you have a a policy, then tell the subject matter, tell firearm owners what that policy is. It doesn't matter if it's a good or bad policy. They have a right to know. And we all have a right to know. If you don't know you're breaking the law because the law is unclear, you can't really be called a criminal. Well, uh, uh, Gareth... Absolutely. Uh, I mean, the, the, you know, there's ignorance of the law, which is no excuse. But if the law makes it impossible for you to educate yourself about the law, how can they then hold you responsible for breaking the law? Well, I want to go back to the manner in which the Central Firearms Registry approached this court case. The explanation that they put up demonstrated their own ignorance. Hmm. And if the law enforcers are ignorant, it's going, it's unfortunately going to lead to travesties of justice. People are going to be arrested. They're going to spend time in jail, even if they're not convicted, where police officers misunderstand what the law requires. And we're in a situation, unfortunately, where those lack of policies and where that lack of publication of those... And no clarity. No clarity. That's It happens every day, unfortunately. Well, Martin's tried to explain the situation 
as clearly as he can, and he's brought in a number of experts, some people who are involved in, in various disciplines around firearm ownership and some of the things that, that many of us are interested in that have to do with the, the lifestyle that comes with being a legal gun owner. If you are interested in those things, pass on the gun cast to all of your friends and family. Send the WhatsApp link, you know, put it on your social media, and, and let's get everybody at, at least as educated as we need to be, even if the police choose not to be. Thank you very much. Martin Hood, you can find out more by going to cliffcentral.com and downloading Guncast. Listen from episode one. You'll have a pretty good idea of what's going on then. And this judgment, obviously, is a positive development, but there are still many to come. Thanks very much, Gareth. Thank you, Martin. This is cliffcentral.com.